Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. Bear with me as I have a little bit of a a nasal cold, so uh, bear with my voice this week if you don't mind. In segment three, Rick Buecher, he's ESPN's NBA insider. The NBA regular season gets underway this week, and we're going to weigh in with our predictions for the upcoming season. And because this is a sports business show, you know that some of my predictions will deal with off-the-court happenings. In segment four... We talked to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Here's another one. Stuart Sternberg. He's the principal owner of the Tampa Bay Rays. The Rays are trying to go from the worst team in baseball to the best team in baseball in the span of only one season. The team has the second lowest payroll in all of baseball, and they still won more games than the Yankees and the Red Sox, the teams with the highest payrolls in all of baseball. Sternberg has made some shrewd moves to turn the Rays into winners on and off the field. We'll catch up with the owner as he enjoys his team's first World Series appearance. That's coming up in segment four. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. I'm joined by my producer, Bobby Corser. Bobby, at the beginning of the year, if you were in Las Vegas and you laid down odds on the Rays, to win the World Series, guess what your odds were? Pretty good. 200 to 1. I would have liked to have put down 100 bucks. How about the people who might have put down $1,000? And I guess according to some of the reports I read this week, there were more than a few people who put a nice chunk of change on the raise. So you know at 200 to 1 odds, you know who they're rooting for in this World Series. One of the things we're going to talk about in headlines, how were the TV ratings for the ALCS? On TBS, we saw that the Red Sox and the Rays went to seven games. It's always good for a network when a series goes to seven games. And we'll give you some of the early numbers from the first few games of the World Series. Another headline that we'll talk about, two iconic U.S. sports brands team up with a new business partnership. We'll tell you about that. Coming up next, you're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training. Sports business curriculum taught by industry experts and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, Fox 
earned a 9.215 Nielsen rating, about 14.6 million viewers for Game 1 of the Phillies-Rays World Series. Game 2 is a little bit better, but roughly it's down about 12% from last year's World Series between the Rockies and the Red Sox. So, Bobby, we were talking last week about a Rays-Phillies matchup wouldn't be nearly as compelling as a Phillies-Red Sox matchup. So far, the numbers bear that out. Absolutely. And, you know, I think the Fox executives, though, have to be happy. It's not down, like some say, 20 to 30%, which we have seen in some major sports this year where ratings are just absolutely in the toilet. There is some interest, though, because I think a lot of people do want to see the Rays and how they're going to fare this year. Now, here's something interesting. TBS, the Rays-Red Sox Game 7 ALCS, drew 13.4 million viewers, the largest audience ever for a baseball game on cable, the second largest audience for a cable program this year. Game 6 drew 8.9 million viewers. Bobby, I don't know if you were watching Game 6, but I was watching Game 6, and it wasn't on at the beginning, and TBS had a malfunction with their Atlanta studio and the router. And long story short, we missed the first inning of Game 6. I can only imagine what Bud Selig, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, was doing while for the first inning of Game 6, the viewers couldn't see the game. You know, it was very interesting. We sat here in the studio and we had watched some of the games going up to, you know, doing our show last week. But it's funny to me. We don't see a lot of technical difficulties with professional sports anymore in terms of TV. Even with college football, there's a lot of stuff on TV now that goes live to air and there's never any trouble. You know, it's almost a rarity. It's almost like, you know, you think in the back of your mind, what's happening? Why is this not on? But this was a big, big boo-boo, and they did have it corrected for Game 7, luckily. Our next headline, L.A. Galaxy midfielder David Beckham during January's international soccer transfer window may transfer to AC Milan. Now, the thing that's going to be interesting about this is... Is David Beckham, after only two years in the MLS, going to be on his way back to Europe, Bobby? There are some rumors about that. Might he head back to Europe once and for all? I don't think that Beckham has generated the buzz that the Galaxy and Major League Soccer thought that he would have. But, uh, you know, we're going to have the commissioner of Major League Soccer on in a few weeks, and we'll ask him about that when he joins us. Our next headline, as I mentioned In segment one, two iconic U.S. sports brands get together to form a company. Who are they? The New York Yankees and the Dallas Cowboys have jointly launched a concessions company called Legends Hospitality Management, which borrowed $100 million several weeks ago, according to the Sports Business Journal. Basically, this company run by the Yankees and the Cowboys, it's going to be the concessionaire for both of these enormous over $1 billion stadiums. Yankees have a new stadium coming online next season. Cowboys have a new stadium coming up as well. So instead of outsourcing this, these two iconic brands have formed a company and they will run their own uh, catering and concessions. Goldman Sachs is also in as a partner and they usually don't make too many bad investments. Our next headline, doctors are aggressively fighting an infection in Tom Brady's Surgically repaired left knee. Now, here's the story here, Bobby. When Tom Brady, who's out for the season, needed surgery, the New England Patriots doctors wanted to perform the surgery, and the Patriots wanted their own doctors to perform the surgery in Boston. Tom Brady and his family have a friend who's a surgeon or 
know of a surgeon in California, and that's who Brady ultimately chose to do this surgery. Well, now there's an infection, and it could delay his return by months, and there's even a chance that he may miss the 2009 season altogether. This is going to be interesting. I wonder if we could see any legal action from the Patriots against these doctors in California that Brady chose. I'm sure they could. You know, it's funny because most teams have their own team doctors, and they want their team doctors to deal with the players because these are the guys that know the players' bodies the best. And the yeah. fact, but you know, and right. what you're saying, and the fact that he went somewhere else, that's if I if I'm the head of the Patriots, if I'm a coach or upper management, I'm really cringing at the fact that he did not go to your team doctor. That's just, it's not a smart investment on your franchise player. Well, according to the Boston Herald, Tom Brady's on a six-week course of intravenously administered antibiotics, is still having follow-up exams in Los Angeles where the surgery took place. The Patriots want to get him back to Boston ASAP. If the infection is not brought under control, the patellar tendon graft used to replace Brady's anterior cruciate ligament could become compromised. If that happens, he will have to go undergo another surgery on the ACL. This would, as I said a minute ago, reset the clock on the rehabilitation. Here's something can, to consider. If Brady misses all of 2009, or in a worst-case scenario, if Brady can't come back from this surgery, I'm sure we're going to see legal action taken by Brady against this doctor. I completely agree. You know, I wonder if this doctor and the guys that did the knee surgery are the same guys that are cleaning the locker room out in Cleveland with all the staph infections going around back there. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, that they've had three staph infections. Now, you know, you see this going on with Tom Brady. He's had three surgeries. That's just ridiculous. All right, our last headline of the week, Pro Elite Inc., the entertainment and media company founded in partnership with Showtime Networks and spearheaded by MMA Elite XC this week notified employees and fighters that it's shutting its doors immediately. So no more appearances on CBS in primetime. No more Kimbo Slice getting beat up like a tomato can. And I think we saw once and for all that at least this brand of MMA is not going to sell. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, it's going to come down to just UFC and UFC alone. The stronger brand will eventually win out. And, you know, I hate to say it, but the MMA offshoots are folding like cheap suits. All right, coming up next, the NBA season gets underway this week. Rick Buecher, ESPN's NBA insider, is going to join us. And Rick and I are going to have some predictions for the upcoming season, so you're going to want to stick around for that. Then in segment four, the owner of the World Series ALCS champion, Tampa Bay Rays, Stuart Sternberg. He's going to join me. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. I'll be right back. His palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. There's vomit on his sweater already. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. My guest is Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Let's go back to the year 2000, the year before you bought the Mavericks. They were 40 and 42. Fan interest was pretty lukewarm. When you bought this team, what did you see in this team? What was the potential that you saw to get them to where they are today? Probably none. <laughs> <laughs> 
Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. I think the reason why we have a BCS-type system in Division 1A and elsewhere we have playoffs is that the schools in Division 1A feel that the regular season is the most important aspect of football. Read the Sports Business blog and listen to SBR On Demand at sportsbusinessradio.com. See, I think that's the big thing. Sports Business Radio, Saturday <laughs> or online at sportsbusinessradio.com. This is Sports Business Radio. My guest is Rick Buecher. He's a good friend of the show, and he's ESPN's NBA insider with the NBA season getting ready to start this week. We thought we'd have Rick on the show. Rick, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. My pleasure, Brian. So it's been another busy offseason for the NBA. We had the Olympics and Team USA won with so many of the NBA stars. Good news is that stories like the Tim Donaghy scandal seems to be dying down, but the bad news is the league had to lay off several staffers at the league office in New York due to the slumping economy. What are your two to three storylines, top storylines, heading into this NBA season, Rick? Certainly one of them has to be uh, watching the economy and how that's going to impact uh, the NBA and decision made, the decisions made both by the league at large and by teams individually as far as how they approach spending. I, I, I have to believe we've already seen some of that slowly being incorporated. Uh, the situation with Andrew Bynum and the Lakers is a perfect example. I would not expect, while well, he's asking for a max deal, it, it used to be almost the exception to the rule that teams would wait to see what the market would bear for a young talent that had a certain demand. They, they didn't want to ruffle those feathers. They didn't want to make it seem like, hey, you know what, we're only going to pay you as much as we have to pay you. But that has almost become standard operating procedure now, and, and I would expect that you're going to see that with Bynum. They're they will allow him to be a restricted free agent, and depending on what kind of offers he gets next year, that that is going to determine how much they ultimately pay him uh, down the line. I, no doubt that they want to keep him, but uh, the days of just maxing out a guy because you like him and you see his future being with your team, those days seem to be gone. Now, Kobe Bryant can opt out of his contract at season's end, can't he? He'd be leaving a lot of money on the table, but he does have that right, correct? He does, and he would be leaving a lot of money on the table, and it'll be interesting to see which way he goes uh, He goes with that. Uh, certainly, uh, I'm trying to think now, his age and the age limits on collective bargaining agreement, on the collective bargaining agreement, could have an impact because... There are certain rules as far as long-term contracts for guys beyond their, I want to say their 34th birthday. And if he's looking at a six-year deal, that's the max that he could, he could sign, uh, that could impact the decision that he makes. And I'm, I wish I could be more clear and exact on how that would impact it, but that's one of the factors here as far as weighing the, the benefits of, of opting out or uh, or signing an extension to an existing deal. The other story that just won't go away is, you know, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, Chris Bosh, all these guys that can become free agents in the year 2010. It seems yep. like, you know, even 
though we're a few seasons in front of that, we're still hearing that talk constantly, and those players are being asked about their decisions constantly. Yeah, teams are, are and part of that is because teams are, are planning to have a tremendous amount of cap room that summer, and not just the teams that are looking to re-sign those guys, but all sorts of teams that are, are hoping to catch lightning in a bottle, and it's not just those guys. I mean, you go down the list, and there could be as many as uh, 25, 30 guys that are considered franchise-type players uh, could be available potentially that summer from Kobe and Dirk and the guys that you mentioned, certainly. Uh, Chris Bosch is another one. Uh, any number of guys that if you could, uh, if, if you wanted to remake your team in a heartbeat, uh, these are the guys that you could do it with. So uh, everybody, the Knicks, New Jersey, y- you name a team that is foundering, uh, Oklahoma City, uh, all of those teams are maintaining their cap flexibility uh, for the hope that if they don't get one of those super superstars, that there will be guys that are on the next tier uh, that if they, if they read the tea leaves correctly and say, you know what, okay, we're not going to get a LeBron, but if we go, if we're the first one to go after, if Oklahoma City, for example, makes Chris Bosh their number one target, and can can put together a tantalizing package of, hey, you could be the piece that goes with Jeff Green and Kevin Durant, and here's what we're going to do for you, and you're our guy. Everybody else is playing the field, but you're our guy. Uh, that's the type of thing that could win the day, and that, that's, that's what's going to make that summer most intriguing. Now, the thing that does need to be pointed out is that the teams that have these players currently can offer an extra year and thus more yeah. money, and that's what gives them – the advantage. Rick, several marketable players step onto the court this season for the first time. Greg Oden, who missed all of last season with a knee injury. Derek Rose, the top pick in the draft this past summer with the Bulls. Michael Beasley, the second pick. Five years from now, which of those three players is going to have the biggest impact on the court in the NBA? I'm going to say Derek Rose. Really? Based on his position and based on his demeanor and based on his abilities. Uh, It's certainly Greg Oden could have a, uh, a tremendous impact. Uh, I would say that he's next on the list, and I may be uh, undervaluing him based on what I've seen so far. But what worries me about Greg at this stage is not the physical issues, but the, the attitude. Uh, he wants to please and he wants to be good so badly uh, as – First of all, every guy has to have that. Uh, he has to want to be great. Uh, Greg certainly has that. Derek Rose certainly has that. Michael Beasley has some reservations. But the problem in, that I see with Greg is it, it almost is um, uh, self-defeating in the way he approaches it. He wants to be good so badly that he tightens up. And that... That concerns me uh, because that is a mental approach to the game, a psychological aspect. I would rather have a guy like Derek Rose, who I see is overly aggressive, who reminds me of Jason Kidd when he first came in, and that he's, he's making all kinds of passes that guys aren't seeing and maybe making some passes that he could, he could afford to be a little more conservative. 
I would rather see that than a guy who is going out and trying hard and actually tightens up and plays smaller as a result of his desire to be good. And that's what I see out of Greg Oden right now. I'm joined by Rick Buecher. He's ESPN's NBA insider. We're talking NBA basketball as the season gets started this week. Rick, several coaching changes made during the offseason. Eric Spolster is in in Miami. Michael Curry in Detroit. Vinny Del Negro in Chicago. Terry Porter in Phoenix. Larry Brown in Charlotte. Which coach has the toughest task ahead of them? I would say Rick Carlisle in Dallas. Oh, I left him out. Sorry. Uh, Simply because... The expectations are very high. I would expect that he will get more out of Jason Kidd. They will be a better team. But uh, Mark Cuban still wants this to be a championship-caliber team. Uh, Next on the list, I would say Terry Porter in Phoenix, to be honest with you, because, again, the expectations are very high, and he is trying to change. I might have to put Terry Porter at the top of the list in, in, in thinking about it, simply because he's trying to change the way that team plays. And he's doing it with players that were, the majority of players were better suited to play the other style. And, uh, and he's doing it with a Shaquille O'Neal where, in my mind, Shaquille O'Neal will never be a complimentary player. You either play through him or you don't have him on your team. And so they can only be as good as Shaquille O'Neal can be. And, again, the expectations are, Uh, to be playing for a championship, and I'm just not convinced that Shaquille O'Neal is that caliber of player anymore. Well, and from a marketing standpoint, just an excitement standpoint, you know, it Mm -hmm. seems like a muzzle is being put on Steve Nash and, and, you know, Amari Stoudemire, guys that were made to play up-tempo. I don't quite understand. You know, I understand that defense wins championships and you've got to be able to make stops in the playoffs, but to change your style altogether – I don't know that that's the answer, and it'll be interesting to see how that affects the interest in the Suns in Phoenix because they've played such an exciting brand of basketball, and if they become this slow, plodding, half-court team, I don't know that people will be that engaged. Yeah, not just, uh, and, and people would probably think that that is uh, a phenomenon that, uh, that came on with Phoenix just under Mike D'Antoni. The Suns have been known to play that style more so than anybody else throughout most of their history. So this is a bit of a transition. Now they're saying, you know, we're still going to run, we're still going to do this, and I mean, we hear that all the time. The the reality is that they've they've really changed the template on on how they play. And by and large, when you have Shaquille O'Neal on the floor, you're not going to run. Uh, it's just, and certainly they're not going to run the way they did when they had Amari as the center and Sean Marion as their power forward. So, but keep in mind, this, this change is being driven by GM Steve Kerr. And who did Steve, where, where did he get his template for winning championships? By and large, he got it from San Antonio. San Antonio doesn't have to worry about appealing uh, to its market. They're, they're the only show in town. And, uh, and, and their fans are pretty diehard. Phoenix is a little bit different story. They're a little more fair weather, and uh, you've got at least two other uh, major uh, sport uh, teams to, to compete with. So it, it'll be interesting at the end of the day. Uh, it, it's almost championship or bust, because if you don't win a championship and you're not entertaining, uh, at, at least previously Phoenix was entertaining even if they weren't winning championships. 
No, you're exactly right. All right, before I let you go, we're going to make some predictions. We're going to save this audio. <laughs> because we were so good last year. Oh, boy. We just have to do it again. Yeah, we lost that audio. I'm not sure where it went. Yeah, I'm glad. Okay, so I, NBA Finals. Who do you like in the finals? I am going to go with uh, a repeat. Um, I'm, I'm going much more conservative than I did last year. I'm going to go with a repeat of the Lakers and the Celtics, only this time the Lakers turn the tables and, uh, and, and come away with a victory thanks to the addition uh, of Andrew Bynum. All right, I'm going to go Celtics. I agree with you there. But I think Chris Paul and the Hornets get it yep. done in the West, and I'm going to go Hornets and Celtics. I like James Posey on that team. Yep. I think that's a great signing for them, very underrated, good locker room guy, great in the playoffs, and I think Chris Paul is going to take it to the next level. MVP, who do you like for the MVP of the league this year? I am going to go with Chris Paul as MVP this year. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I guess if I was following the logic that I just outlined with having the Hornets get to the, the finals, <laughs> you would think I would pick Chris Paul too, but I am going to yeah, go with the voting is season, so those, those, two can be, those two can be mutually exclusive. Yeah. I'm going to go LeBron. I think LeBron, this is the year. Uh, he's going to put up a lot of great individual stats. I don't know how good the Cavs are going to be, but you know, Kobe got his under his belt. Last year, I think LeBron, this is the year people will vote for LeBron. Rookie of the year. Who do you like for rookie of the year? I am going to say, I am going to say, and this is a little bit of a change because I've been basically, you know, at this point I've filled out, I've answered this question in various formats probably about nine times. Right. And I've I've been pretty consistent in going with O.J. Mayo. And in spite of all that I said about Greg Oden, I am going to say Greg Oden. Uh, for there you go. Because the Blazers, I believe, will be a playoff team. And he will get a lot of credit for their having made that step up. And two, I think he's going to be clear. I don't think he's going to be a, a, an overwhelming double-double guy. But I think he'll be close to a double-double. Uh, he'll, he'll be a 12.9 rebound type guy. And at the end of the day, the success of the team will, uh, will carry the day for him over Beasley, who I believe will have good numbers. O.J. Mayo will have good numbers. But I don't expect either one of those teams to be in the playoffs. I, too, am going to pick Greg Oden. Uh, I think he's going to make a huge difference. I look for the Blazers to get to the 48-50 to 50 win plateau, which would be you know 7-9 to nine win improvement over where they were last year. <laughs> Who's the breakout player, a guy that uh, is going to bust through this year and people are going to know him as a household name? Uh, well, I don't want to steal your thunder, but you know, one of the guys that I'm certainly considering for that is, is LaMarcus Aldridge. Oh, you stole my thunder. Ah, I, figured, <laughs> I figured that I might have. Um, you know what, but I'll, 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 I'll leave that to you. The guy that I'm going to say is Al Horford, who really came on at the end of last year and was a veteran, as a rookie, was a veteran presence on that playoff team. And I believe they're going to lean on him even more heavily and that their future really is going to weigh uh, uh, on, on how well he comes along. And I, I think he's positioned to do very well this year. All right, I'm going to pick LaMarcus Aldridge. I think he's a 2010 guy this year. Uh, I think he's going to knock on the door of the All-Star game, even though it's very tough to make the West All-Star team you know with I- all the great forwards. One other guy that, I, that uh, if I didn't go Horford, uh, I, I, would, uh, I would say Luis Scola. From everything that I've heard, 
uh, he's he's really primed to have a breakout year this this year as well. One other name I'll throw in there: Andre Iguodala in Philadelphia. Yep. I think yep. he's on the on the cusp as well. All right, give me one bold prediction. Could be on the court, off the court, anything having to do with the NBA. Something that we're going to sit back at the end of the season and go, "Wow, can't believe that happened." Well, I don't know how this is. Uh, I don't know if this fits that that category, but I would say that we will have uh, Don Nelson uh, stepping down or being fired midway uh, through this season, and perhaps a clean house, Mully and Nelly going as a as a uh, combo package. Who would come in there? I would say that they would probably go internal uh, for the short term, and uh, because really Robert Rao, the business guy, business side guy, is is has taken a firm hold of the situation, and uh, there is a huge rift in that front office right now. And I could see I could see them going to a, a Sidney Moncrief or a Keith Smart as the interim coach. And I could see Pete D'Alessandro, the uh, Mully's assistant right now, stepping up um, and uh, and taking over that role. All right, here's my bold prediction, and it's more on the business side. We've heard all about the New Jersey Nets' new arena, their move to Brooklyn, everything mm-hmm. that's going to be going on there, building a palace for LeBron to come play in. Mm-hmm. I think that the New Jersey Nets by year's end, are going to be on the block and possibly even sold. I don't think the Brooklyn Arena is going to be sold or be built, and I also don't think LeBron is going to wind up playing in Brooklyn in 2010, as so many people have uh, guessed. So that's okay. my, my bold prediction. I think things are going to fall apart there in, uh, in Brooklyn because of the economy. Uh, they lose the $400 million naming rights deal from Barclays if they don't have a shovel in the ground in about 10 days, and that's not going to happen. So I think things are going to go sideways for the Nets, unfortunately, uh, this season. All right. Well, Rick, thanks so much for uh, taking time to join us before the NBA season starts. Look forward to catching up with you during the season, and uh, we'll roll the tape at the end of the year, playoff time, and uh, see how we did with our prediction. Sounds great. All right, Rick, you take care. You, you too, You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods, featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection, not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu, and they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. My guest is Stuart Sternberg. He's the principal owner of the Tampa Bay Rays. Stuart, thanks for taking time to join us on Sports Business Radio. 
My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. So I was reading about you, and you grew up in New York, and it sounds like the first baseball game you ever went to, Sandy Koufax was on the mound. And I read how passionate you are about baseball. It must be incredible watching the team that you own playing in the World Series. Talk about that if you would. It's uh, beyond my wildest expectations and dreams. Even even getting to the point, obviously, owning the team and running the team, you know, to have the honor to do that. But then, you know, for this team to get to the point we did in such a short period of time is just awesome. Yeah, it's really incredible for people who aren't familiar with your story. You were a very successful business person on Wall Street. You left Wall Street to purchase the Rays. Walk us through the chain of events that led to your purchase of the Tampa Bay Rays, because a lot of people would look at the Rays back when you bought them and said, not a real attractive franchise to own. Well, which, you know, but it, again, it's all in the eye of the beholder. Uh, it, you know, it, it looked fine to me. We had we had a lot of upside here. Uh, I thought that, you know, given the, the franchise's short history at the time, it was only about seven or eight years, seven years in. Uh, that there was still a lot of baseball fans to be built here down here in uh, St. Petersburg in the Tampa Bay region. And we felt that given time and we had some patience with a good business plan and a good management plan and um, you know some great people that we can turn this thing around and bring the magic of baseball here. So talk about that a little bit more. I mean, the Rays had never had a winning season when you purchased them. Attendance wasn't great. When you looked at the franchise, what was your vision for the franchise, did you have a timeline in place, some milestones that you set when you bought the team? Uh, it was really just to just to go forward and try to get things turned around here. Uh, the first thing we did was reach out to the community and uh, people that felt disenfranchised by the organization and by the team itself, and we we wanted to create a brand that people were proud of and wanted to be a part of. Uh, not just to sell merchandise, obviously, but they felt vested in and. Uh, and the pride was a big area. You know, baseball plays 200-plus days a year. And in that time, people could follow games on a daily basis through a number of media outlets. And, um, you know, whether it's print or the Internet or radio or TV. And it just didn't, we didn't seem to be reaching enough people here. And not enough people felt positive about our brand. So we, we wanted to get our brand turned around. Let's talk about your brand for a moment. You've done some interesting things uh, this year before the season started. New uniforms. You dropped Devil from the name. Now it's just the Tampa Bay Rays. I see you've done things as outlandish as free parking for everyone who comes to the baseball games. Maybe you can talk about some of the things that you've done to try and turn your brand around and get it to where it is right now. Well, we spent the first year uh, doing all the heavy lifting, which was just completely refurbishing the stadium, which hadn't been the most appealing place to be. Uh, We did put free parking in place, which obviously is a big expense for us. Uh, we started a uh, foundation here that, you know, was as um, refurbished a number of fields in the area. Uh, really, just uh, got our management into the community on various school boards, and and in you know hundreds, literally hundreds of uh, you know meetings with with business clubs and and anywhere that anybody would listen, uh, you know, to get out there and then try to get the players out. So that was really the first year. And then the second year, we did a lot of the, and the first year also the bathrooms and the, the, just every light. And the second year, we could, went into the scoreboard and um, redid the field and the sound system and, and everything that went on with the uh, the fan entertainment. We, we retrained all of the uh, personnel who handled the fans coming in. We had a, a fellow came in from Disney to handle our marketing. We had a fellow who was in Procter & Gamble who handled Darcy Raymond, who was in charge of our fan experience. And that became a department to itself. And, uh, you know, trying to reach out 
to the people that came in, we wanted them to go out, those that at least were coming, to have a smile on their face and spread the word. Um, and all that time, we were trying to work in the background with the baseball side of it to get it to a point where we thought we would be uh, very competitive. And that was this year, you know, from 2008, say, through 2012, we thought we'd have a competitive team on the field, but obviously went well and above anybody's expectations. You know, you've been a successful business person long before you owned the Rays, and I've had several pro sports owners on this show, and they had no experience being a part of a sports team before they purchased the team. You know, maybe you could talk about some of the core philosophies that transcend business, whether it's Wall Street or a sports team that I guess are recipes for success that you've used there in Tampa. I think the first thing is really patience with a long-term vision. Uh, if you get too anxious or, or you're, you know, you're looking for the quick fix, uh, you end up with a, with a headache the next day, sort of like a hangover, I guess. And, you know, we, we really had our eye on something that wasn't going to be a two, three, four year turnaround, but something that was going to continue to build and swell over time. And I think that having, having baseball itself and just, you know, as I said, the magic of baseball and what it brings is a huge step up. You know, we're not starting here trying to sell razor blades or anything else from scratch or, or restaurant. Uh, but, to, to build a brand and, and to have Major League Baseball as, uh, as a backstop is tremendous and it gives you a lot of uh, opportunity to have the thing work out over the long haul. But we had some challenges because the, um, you know, the team had sort of a negative Q score, the name Devil Rays, the stadium. And what we needed to do was get, again, positive brand equity. And uh, by doing that, um, you know, we just thought we would have a real good opportunity to have this thing uh, be able to feed the on-field uh, performance for a long time. Even with the success that you had this year, I mean, the team won 97 games, the attendance really didn't pick up until playoff time. So I guess the million-dollar question or multi-million-dollar question is, how do you parlay the success and build a stable fan base in your region? Well, it's, that is that is the big question. I don't have the answer to it that it's going to happen yet. But uh, how we do it is, is just continue to do exactly what we're doing, which is really trying to get... Uh, as we call one fan at a time, I mean that's really the message is if we can win over a fan every day or you know every you know the number of fans every day through uh, through various touch points and opportunities that we get to you know interact with them over time it uh, you know they've got children and they've got friends and they've got relatives, and over time you get the fan base and the broad support that you need um, you know to re- to really be able to put the product on the field and we're hoping that you know we've move the needle, you know, let's say jump-start it by three, four years by getting to the position we're in today. You know, you've had some clever sponsorships, and you've done some theme nights. I love the uh, run the bases after the Sunday home games. You know, you almost, uh, reading some of the things that you've done, it almost seems like minor league promotions, but they work at any level, don't they? It's entertainment. We're in the entertainment business. You it's we'll, we'll baseball, basketball, football. We're all long past the idea we can just, you know, throw throw your equipment out on the field and expect people to show up or expect enough of them to show up. So we give them entertainment. On Sundays, it's geared towards families, and Friday nights, it's geared towards, you know, um, teens and you know, people college age. Uh, uh, you know, Tuesdays is geared towards, um, you know, people with more of a history of the game and things like that. So we we t- we may have the music. Uh, geared towards that, you know, to run the bases on Sundays, obviously. We're not asking people on a Tuesday night. We're offering the opportunity to run it on a Tuesday night. So, it, um, you know, say minor league, I think we just try to keep people interacted and understand that over the course of their three or four hours that they're going to be here, 
um, you know, we, we need to have some other things to do as well. My guest is Stu Sternberg. He's the principal owner of the Tampa Bay Rays, the World Series ALCS champion Tampa Bay Rays. Stu, how would you describe your management style? Are you a hands-on guy or are you a hands-off guy? Uh, it's really to try to put the best people in place that you can and let them do their jobs. That's great. Boy, there need really to be more people like that. <laughs> well, you give a look, it's, it's easy. It's easier said than done, and um, you know, it sounds like a simple recipe, but the important thing is to find the people that not only that you think can do the jobs, but also share the vision that you do so uh, you know there are no surprises along the way. Just a few more questions. Should there be a salary cap in baseball? I look at your team, and you've done a great job of locking up some of your uh, young players, Casimir and Longoria. But I look at the team, $43 million payroll. Obviously, the Yankees and Red Sox are in your own division. They've got mammoth payrolls, and it's the age-old story. When the young players want the big bucks, they go to the bigger market. Should there be a salary cap in baseball? I would say, I would personally say not. But um, I, I think there needs to be a rejiggering of how the economics are, are distributed and both amongst the owners themselves and amongst the owners and the players. Let's talk about uh, your venue that you're trying to get built there. You know, the economy's slumping a little bit. You've tried to get the $450 million stadium built. Where is that at? And I'm sure that what's happening on the field right now has to help those efforts, right? Yeah, it does. But we've shelled that. We shelved this for now. We, there was just not enough business and uh, and political support for it. And right now, though, there's a coalition in place that's uh, reviewing possible opportunities that you know might be suited for the whole Tampa Bay region. For us. Can the Rays survive in the Tropicana Dome for a while? Or I would say for um, you know maybe five years. I don't think we can do ten. We can certainly do three to five. Uh, but the you know the, the cost of managing this building. And the revenue opportunities that are lost in this building because it's not elsewhere are you know just too much over the long haul. Last question: uh, I've heard several versions of the cowbell story, and I see them on TV everywhere. I hear that you had a hand in uh, cowbells becoming so popular at Rays games. Can you tell me about that? Uh, yeah, it was really from the uh, Saturday Night Live skit. I always liked the skit with my my family and all, and uh, we just did, we we played the skit, and the cowbells followed. Guests appearing during our Sports Sense segment will be treated to the gold standard of all steakhouses, Morton's the Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. For the Morton's nearest you, go online to mortons.com. Well, best of luck, Stuart. I know you're getting ready for the game. I really appreciate you making time, and uh, good luck in the World Series. Thank you very much. Thanks for your interest. You take care. Bye-bye. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. We live in an age where everything is on the record. What we say anywhere, whether it's in an elevator, in an email, or during a conversation with a reporter, is now being broadcast instantaneously on YouTube, in a blog, or through the mass media. It's easier than ever to spot someone who has been traditionally media trained and is just giving you that same old boring PR speak. I want to help you navigate the tricky media landscape. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form Evergreen Media Training. Evergreen Media Training assists individuals and groups by offering unique preparation and training catered to your specific needs. From explaining today's media environment to providing you with post-training monitoring and feedback, we'll guide you every step of the way. With nearly 40 years of combined experience working with some of the biggest names in the sports industry, we'll help you communicate your messages honestly, thoughtfully, and from the heart. For an overview and a list of services, visit evergreenmediatraining.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. 
The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Back with our final segment on this edition of Sports Business Radio. The FIFA Executive Committee this week met in Switzerland, and they started talking about a timetable for candidates bidding to stage the 2018 and 2022 FIFA World Cups. Australia, China, England, Russia, and the U.S. have expressed interest in hosting the event. With the next two World Cups being held in South Africa and Brazil, respectively, a Northern Hemisphere venue is preferred for 2018, and European countries expect to be strongly considered. One other note, the Big Ten Conference has agreed to a contract extension with Commissioner Jim Delaney through June 30th, 2013. The extension means Delaney will be a major player again in the next round of negotiations at the BCS level and beyond the move pretty much assures that the BCS isn't going anywhere for a while. Delaney is a big proponent of the current system. He now sits atop as the BCS commissioner taking over from Michael Slive. All right, Bobby, you heard our predictions. Myself and Rick Buecher made our NBA predictions. I want to get you down on record. Who's going to make the NBA finals this year? From the West, it will be the Lakers, and now the East will be the Detroit Pistons. Okay, well, it's different than, than we picked. Uh, who is your MVP? MVP is Dwayne Wade. Wow, D. Wade. I would love to see that, boy. Uh, and Rookie of the Year. Uh, I'm going to take a page from you guys both. I know you went with them, but uh, I'm going to have to go Greg Oden. All right. Yes, I think Greg Oden has a very good chance to be Rookie of the Year. You watch out for those Portland Trailblazers. All right, lots of thank yous on our show this week. Stuart Sternberg, he's the owner of the Tampa Bay Rays. Rick Buecher, he's ESPN's NBA insider. Our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, Morton's The Steakhouse, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, ProTrade.com, Evergreen Media Training, a podcast reminder. You can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. I'm Brian Berger. Some terrific football games on tap this weekend. Enjoy those and enjoy the Fall Classic, the World Series, the Rays, and the Phillies. You've been listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll talk to you next week. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns. When people come to a Suns game, what kind of an experience do you want it to be for them? We want them to be entertained from the time they walk in to the time they leave. The co-owner of the Sacramento Kings, Gavin Maloof. Gavin, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Brian. How are you? Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. Sports Business Radio. Saturday. That's why you're a smart business person. <laughs> or at sportsbusinessradio.com.